is Dr. Pillay with Big Ticket Clients, and I am so proud to be in the presence of Dom Fawcett. How you doing, Dom? Outstanding, brother. Thank you very much for inviting me on um, your show. I greatly appreciate that. Oh, I, I got to tell you, it is an honor to have you here. Look, folks, I want to tell you this is a special treat, not only for you, but for me too, because Dom is a wealth of information. This gentleman is a dynamic coach, executive coach, speaker, an individual that just brings passion. Dom, I got to tell you, one of the first ways I was introduced to you was a poster in which it was the, like this black poster, the background was black, and you were looking that way with this powerful grimace on your face, and you're like, if you're not going to come correct, you better shut up, <laughs> or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know that that was posted off of Instagram a couple weeks. I think it was last week, yeah. Was it? That's how mm -hmm. I met you, and I was like, dude, it's powerful. So let's start yeah. from the beginning. Let's just start okay. from the beginning. Can you just briefly describe sort of who you are, who you serve? For those who don't know you already, because I know you're going to be out there. For those who don't know you, who, tell us who Dom is, who you serve, and the kinds of situations that you know, people come to you for. Let's start with that. All right, high-level overview as to who Dom Fawcett is. I am a kid that grew up in Southern California, right, during you know, the gang violence, all that jazz. Yeah. Uh, but not to bore you with all the details there, but I, I did find a way out. Uh, wow. My way out was, was uh, graduating high school um, with the fear of, of just don't get anybody pregnant, don't get killed, and don't go to jail. That, those were my three. If I could do that by the time I graduated, I won. Um, wow. I, I, I spent my last year of high school in, in Arizona where I reside now. And I went from a school where it was gang violence and, you know, pimps and hustlers. My last year of high school was basically like 90210. Everybody had cars. Nobody looked like me. Um, and it was just an, an eye-opening experience. I joined the, the military shortly thereafter. Um, I went in to be pararescue. I failed a swim test. I was a little bit, you know, set back emotionally from that, but I had the opportunity to be K-9, so I was K-9 uh, in the Air Force, so I served my country, and then I got out, and then I became a cop. Wow. And during my time as a police officer, um, I, I was a police officer in Jackson, Mississippi, mm -hmm. and, I, you know, growing, growing up in California, being stationed on the East Coast and traveling the world, I had never lived in the South. Not that South. Like, I lived in Texas, but not, not like Mississippi South. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I went. It was a, an, an eye-opening experience for, for me there. Uh, I had some, some struggles just seeing what society does to people, um, mm -hmm. how dark it can actually be. Um, and and it, just, it just changes. It changed me. I, I can't speak for all police officers, but it changed who, who I was as a person. I got out uh, through the nepotism, a.k.a. the hookup. Uh, I got a job mm -hmm. uh, in sales for a company called HSBC. I did very well there, and I moved around from company to company. And just throughout, I spent the, you know, 14 years, the last 14 years in, in, in the corporate space, leadership, development, managing teams, directing teams, and leading teams. Um, I was an ADP at Chase, mm -hmm. um, underwriting leadership at Wells Fargo, and I last company I worked for, uh, was a company called USAA, and I never planned on leaving the corporate space. I had a good job. I had the, you know the three weeks of paid time off, mm -hmm. um, and then I just got this bug to 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 do more. Right, yeah. being in the military, you serve. Being a cop, you know, you serve and protect. And I 
started speaking at schools and things like that. And then one day somebody gave me a check for a thousand dollars and said, Hey bro, can you cover me? I'm yeah. like, for a thousand dollars, I'll do a lot. Like I'll cover you. <laughs> like I'll, you know, I got your six. Like, I'll do, you tell me what to do. And all I need you to do is speak for a few hours. I said, okay, like, you want me to speak? Yeah. And you're just going to give me a check. You can I said, how much did you get paid? He's like, I got paid like three grand. I said, so I was like, okay. So the, the, <laughs> Detective in me wouldn't like, okay, what is this whole speaking thing getting paid about? Yes. And I looked into it. I became a certified John Maxwell speaker. I wrote my, my first book, um, became a best-selling author, started a podcast, hired a branding coach, hired a PR. And I said, you know what? Let me, let me really dive into this. And then July of 2017, I just left. Wow. I, I, I left the corporate space, left the six-figure salary, left the comfy, if you will. Yes. And you know, I, I said, I'm going to get out and I'm going to keep on climbing because I had coaching clients and everything was going well. Mm-hmm. Two weeks into me leaving, I lost all my coaching clients and three of my speaking engagements Whoa. dropped off, right? It's just one of the it's stuff for the books, right? Yes, yes, and, yes. Uh, it's the hero's you know journey. It's the hero's right. journey. It yeah. is the hero's journey yeah, for real. Yeah. I can get out some parts of it. <laughs> and I compare everything. I always say, you know what? It beats getting shot at. Yes. And I just moved move forward. And, and here I am a, a year and three months later and living, living, I'm actually living my dream. Like if, it feels wow. good to do what I do. So that's you know, me in a nutshell. You know, you know, on that note, I want to know how you became, how you got this sense of what your attitude is and how you, how you portray yourself. And I'll tell you why that's so interesting to me. You remind me, and by the way, you know, knock on wood, I'm predicting five years from now, you're just, you're like a brand that's out there. That's how much I believe in what I've seen about you already. You remind me of a, a Les Brown. You know, I told you, you earlier, Les Brown is my mentor. I worked for him for a while. You remind me of that kind of a guy with your passion. How did you develop that sense of just in your face? I mean, look at your company. It's called Think, React, Lead. I mean, mm-hmm. tell us how you develop that in your face. Tell the truth, come correct kind of attitude and why that's so successful for you. You know, growing up, I stuttered, like stuttered bad where I, I couldn't introduce myself. I was pulled out of class. Uh, I was pulled, as they called the slow class, to go into an even slower class just <laughs> to learn how to speak. Wow. And where, where I grew up, you know, the wrong eye contact can get you killed. I lost my, you know, five of my good friends before I hit my freshman year in high school to gang violence. Wow. And I, I grew up in a very tough environment. You know, you're the words you you use, you better you had better chosen them wisely because it could be the last time you spoke. Yeah, um, and that was just to me that was normal. Uh, so being tough, it, it was just it wasn't tough. It was just something that you did. And growing up, I'm, I'm the firstborn. Yeah. The rule of thumb was if your brothers or sisters come home and tell me, so tell my parents that somebody threatened them or or did something to them, and I didn't knock them out, then I would get knocked out. Like that was just the rule of thumb. So wow. standing up for my, you know, standing up for what I believed in was, was pushed into my thought process and my emotions, uh, which, which in turn led me to becoming a cop. I became a cop and it, in turn, I was K-9 in the military. So there, there's a lot of effective communication, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you speak to a dog, it's, it's short, out, hill, <laughs> you know, stop. it's very short. So my communication has always been very short, uh, yeah. But then I get into the corporate space, and that's where the communication has to be softer, especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I learned how to balance communication. But my mom has always taught me, speak so that a blind man can see. 
So yeah. whether I'm, I'm telling a story or just having a conversation, knowing that people lose interest in a very short period of time, be engaging, be quick. Uh, and, I got to write that down. Speak so that a blind man can see. Can see. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. You need and, to copyright that, my friend. <laughs> you know what? My mom always said it growing up, I, and I've never heard it any, anywhere else. Yeah, I probably, yeah. But to answer your question, think reactly. Just think as an executive, react like a soldier in lead. Uh, one of the things growing up, and I attribute a lot of my success to my mom, just by the way I was raised, mm-hmm. is I was not allowed to say, I don't know. Like at the mm-hmm. age of eight, I had to stop saying, I don't know. And mm-hmm. it, it encouraged me to make decisions. <clears throat> Most people today lack decisions. And uh, think, react, lead is, is think, but don't spend a lot of time. There's like 5% of the equation is think. React is about 45%. And then leading is, is whatever decision you made, stick to it. Be, leadership is influenced by way of John Maxwell. Nothing yeah. more, nothing less. And my, my approach, when you've seen a man breathe his last breath and you're standing over him, mm-hmm. to me, life is very, very valuable. To me, life is very here today, gone tomorrow. And I don't have the luxury of, of, I don't like seeing people hurt. I've been depressed. I've been this, you know, the guy, I've been suicidal from a standpoint of kicking in doors without a bulletproof vest, wanting to get killed. And to me, life is so serious because life is not just about me. It's yeah. about the people that I sit at my, at, at my dinner table with. How many, you know, relationships don't last? 50% divorce rate plus. How many parents? Parents don't have relationships with their kids, right? It's because of the lack of communication. Why people can't promote is because they don't know how to effectively communicate and they're unhappy. Happiness come to me comes by way of caring about others and communicating effectively. So I'm very, it's not that I'm tough or rough. I'm, I'm just passionate yeah. about people saying what they need to say mm-hmm. so life can change and tweak as they're moving down their path. Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting that, you know, you talk about passion. You and I could be here all day because I, I so believe in your, you, you know, you've got a saying on your site, something about, you know, find your passion and, you know, follow your purpose. You're big into that as well. Mm-hmm. I am so there with you. Um, for, for me, in my example, you can probably see my guitar over there. You know, right. I'm a musician, I'm a songwriter, and I've struggled for years because I was trying to hide that. You know, when I was a VP in the corporate world, I wouldn't bring my music into my life. You know, I kind of left it there. But once I brought it into what I do as an entrepreneur, my happy just showed up, you know. Right. And, and so I, I'm all there with you. Now, I, I do have a question, though, about your ideal client and how you help them find their purpose and how you help them sort of connect the dots to, you know, from thinking to reacting to leadership. Who is your ideal client? How would you describe them and how do you help them? So my ideal client is that person, whether you're an entrepreneur, uh, C-suite executive, or just somebody new to management, mm-hmm. uh, that's my ideal client. And, and I say that because from a syllabus standpoint, we're, we're, we're taught to read a book um, and implement, read a book, implement. And we know we're doing well by way of the, the test or quizzes that we receive. But once you get out of college and once you jump into that space of whether it's um, corporate or entrepreneurship, there's no syllabus and yeah. so many times, or there's no test. So many times we, we say the test is the money that we make. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not because to me, success is a feeling. It is not monetary because I've made money, mm-hmm. excuse me, and felt like crap. Oh, right. Boy. And, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and depressed. And, you know, I've been on pleasure vacations and yeah. didn't, didn't even smile. Yeah, right. I, I, I got to jump in here, Dom, and tell you that back in my younger days, I bought a Range Rover, okay? 
You know what a range? It's like, <laughs> hey, I got the range. I got the range. Right. I'm balling right now. Let, let, me, let me tell you a big secret. I hated that car. It was bumpy. It was tight. It was uncomfortable. And I had to pay for it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't happy. So I, I hear you, my friend. Oh, my gosh. And one thing I learned as a cop is that uh, nobody ever called me and said, hey, I just want you to come over. No, it was by way of 911. Something went bad in their life. And as a leader in the corporate, I, I led that way. I, I needed to understand what was going on at your house. Because as a leader, uh, your name comes up at the dinner table. Good or bad, it comes up. That's and I right. needed my name to always come up good, but I needed to understand the people that I was leading. So as an executive coach, I, I teach people the power of being vulnerable, how to effectively communicate, how to make decisions, and, and, and how to move past the just chase, climbing the ladder, right? Mm -hmm. As I use the phrase, be the obvious choice. Every time I've gotten promoted, I never applied to it. It was always like, hey, Dom, there's this position coming up. You'd be a good fit. I do need you to apply to it because there's rules and regulations, but we created it for you. Like that's yeah. always happened to me. But why is because I know how to play the, you know, the, the Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. And most people don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was actually a Dale Carnegie uh, product VP. Um, oh, wow. Product marketing VPS. So I, I know the, the nine rules, you know, the, the behaviors, mm -hmm. all that stuff. You know, let, let me let me ask you. So you've got these clients that are, you know, they range in in location, status, the corporate world, entrepreneurship, whatever. If you were to say what their number one biggest challenge in the leadership area is or maybe some myths or misconceptions they have that they have to get over, what would that number one big challenge be? Lack of confidence. Ooh. Tell us more. So lack of confidence. People, this is what I have found about myself. So currently I struggle with stuttering. I have Tourette's and I've dealt with PTSD. I don't take medicine for any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But when I started talking about it in the corporate space and telling my employees that, yeah, I have Tourette's, I got PTSD, um, people started coming to me and just talking to me. They're like, wow, my son has Tourette's. How do you deal with it? Or my husband has PTSD. How do you deal with it? Or I struggle with stuttering how do you get on in front of a thousand people and talk and you stutter and i and tell I've them seen, and i've seen your audiences i've seen your interaction with them never would have known unless you you know unless you told us right now never when this this is my theory on stuttering yeah when god doesn't want me to talk i stutter when god <laughs> me to talk, he lets me just go go hard on him yeah um, yeah but from a, a confidence standpoint see our society is so in my opinion soft uh -huh compared to like that to, to the eighties, um, you're of African descent, right? Yep. Not a soft culture, right? I have friends that are African. Their parents are very tough, Yep. but there's a, a, a lack of understanding who we are because we go, like I said, we, we get to college and fresh out of college, you know, the five, three to five years, you're the new kid on the block. Everybody likes you. You're fresh. You're, you're, you know, late twenties, early thirties, you're doing well. Yep. Eventually you get burnt out. But what I have found is that when owning my vulnerabilities and talking to people about them mm -hmm. and being able to connect with people that most leaders can't is that my confidence increases, but my confidence doesn't increase in self. Mm -hmm. My confidence increases in, in, in my, my why. And my why has changed one life every day for the rest of my life. And it's been that for a while now. I got to get that. I got to write that down. You said your why is, is say that again. I just got to get this one. Change, change one life every day for the rest of my life. Come on, somebody. Talk to me. I'm feeling, I got goosebumps. What is this? <laughs> I love this. Changing one life for the rest of your life every day. Is that your, that's your mission? 
change one life every day for the rest of my life. And, and let me tell you why oh. that, that happened. My wife and I raced Ducatis um, and, and we enjoy that. And when we got, we got married on our Ducatis and the only couple, other couple that got invited to our wedding also rode Ducatis. And um, now Ducatis long, is a bike. It's a bike, it, right? It's, it's an Italian sport bike. Correct. Okay. It's so you got to explain that because most people, I, I, I'm guessing. <laughs> I forget. Right. It's, it's an Italian motorcycle. Okay. All right. Go ahead. And um, one day my wife and I and, and him were out riding well, we made it home. He, he never made it home. And that same day, uh, we were taking delivery of a six-figure car. And the next morning, I woke up um, after coming back from the morgue at four in the morning and, and, and just sitting in my bed. I, I walked in the garage, and I saw all the stuff. You know, you smell the high-octane fuel. You smell the rubber or the brand-new tires. You smell the, you know, the quality leather. It meant nothing to me. Like, that stuff could have burnt up right then and there. I didn't care. And in that moment, I, I, I changed. I stopped chasing money, and I changed my messaging on social media and for myself. Yeah. And it was changed one life every day for the rest of my life. And what that did, I remember I met this kid at a speaking engagement, and I didn't really know him. He, you know, he saw me, I saw him, and that was about it. But about a year later, I see on social media that his, his mom died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And he's the oldest. He's out of Detroit. He's 20, 20, 21. His brother just graduated high school. 18 and he has a sister who's 12 no money no savings no life insurance and I just thought to myself like my message has changed one life every day for the rest of my life so I cleared my calendar I purchased wow. a last minute plane ticket I flew out there and when I showed up like just a smile on his face and his sister she she ran up to me she was like there's a famous person here oh my god <laughs> it, it literally made her day yeah. And there were only, you know, there was only about 20 people there at the funeral. And I just told him, I said, look, man, if I can, you know, I could have sent you a couple hundred bucks, but that wouldn't have done, that wouldn't have changed your circumstances. But wow. knowing that somebody outside of family supports you, like I always look at myself, like people call me an influencer. I don't need to say what it is, but I don't want to be your typical social media influencer. Like I want to put my money where my mouth is. And yeah, well, for me, it was flying out there and making a, an impact on that person's life. Well, I want you to know that you are doing that, my friend. And I'll tell you one reason why. You're looking at someone who you, whom you've touched. I can't tell you, I remember that picture of you so vividly. It's just the words that I forgot. Now I actually just wrote them down. What, what that picture said was, if your message doesn't match your life, shut yeah. up. I, I don't think I can ever forget that, Dom. <laughs> so you are, making an in, you are making an impact on people's lives, and I applaud you for that. In fact, my, my, my question around that, you know, and I, I agree with you, leadership is influence. What are some of the, the pitfalls, the, the common struggles, the mistakes, if you will, that you think your ideal clients need to watch out for? I mean, and, and, and remember, we're, we're talking directly. Somebody watching this, you may be touching someone's life, right? What, right. What? do they need to watch out for in their pursuit of success, leadership, or whatever? Some of the common pitfalls that you've seen. You know, the uh, top, top three common pitfalls. One is understanding that, yeah, you might be in your forties, but you can learn something from somebody in their twenties. Mm, there you right? go. You don't, you, you might be a, a leadership expert by way of your, your time and grade, if you will. You've been doing it a long time, mm-hmm. but you're not, you're not educating yourself on new practices where someone who's 20, they're fresh, they're vibrant. You, you can learn from somebody younger than you. Yeah. Um, the second one is, um, is your dream, is your, your, 
is your pursuit for what you think success is, is it yours? Or are you still trying to, to uh, get validation from your parents at the age of 30, 40 years of age, right? Are, are, are you trying to be somebody? I mean, it happens. It happens, yeah. I'm still trying to make, let my mom and dad know that I'm, I'm doing well and, and, and I'm trying to impress them. Yes. That's a question you have to answer yourself. And the, the third one, you, you lack the ability to accept feedback. Like you have so much emotion when somebody, you know, rubs you the wrong way, if you will. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't. For, I get feedback all the time. Yeah. Fe- feedback is a gift. And most people look at it as, as an attack. No, yeah. it's not an attack. It's a gift. Take it for what it is. Wow. You know, Dom, you know, I know we kind of started out with your story. I, I, I want to sort of kind of get back to that a little bit because I think it's just so inspirational. Could, if you were to think back on your life, and by the way, fascinating is not even a good enough description of what you've already shared, you know, you know, the, the different experiences. But if you were to think back, could you point to one defining moment that has given us Dom Fawcett today? You know, I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick example of what I mean. My defining moment came when I was extremely young. I was, I was a, you know, I, I was a refugee kid, basically, in a war zone at the age of like three or four. Okay. And we were broke. We had no money. We were, you know, there's nothing, no food. We, we, we were afraid of dying every day. And my mother would sing to me every day. And instead of giving us food because she didn't have any, she right. would sing. So guess what I am today? I write songs. I can't get the darn thing off of my mind and my heart. So, you know, if you were to point to one thing in your life, Dom, that has given us this person that you are today, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, not a problem at all. You know, I, so like I stated, I was a police officer. And I was a cop in Jackson, Mississippi, <clears throat> and I was in my early 20s and uh, riding by myself in my patrol car. And I got to a uh, street and where I was a police officer, it was very low income. So the street lights yep. weren't always working. And I, it's a Tuesday, early morning to 2, 2.15 maybe a.m. So it's dark. And this lady comes running off her lawn into my, uh, basically smacking my patrol car, slam on my brakes. And she's like, just Steve's trying to kill me. Wow. And um, so I, you know, I get out of the car and I talk to her. I'm like, okay what's going on? Calm down. Cause you don't, I can't understand you if you're yelling and you're just the way you are. And she tried to calm down to the best she could, but she kept yelling. And I said, okay, let me, let's go talk to Steve. And I asked her just to, you know, stand by on the sidewalk while mm-hmm. I, I walked up the grassy lawn and I see Steve standing out, out outside. And I look at Steve and I'm like, Hey Steve, you just want you come down here. Let's uh, talk. And he said, if you want to talk to me, you got to come up here. Well, like I, in the hood, I don't care whether you're in the hood or you're in the South. It doesn't matter. Like those words, yeah. nothing <laughs> good happens after those after words. Those, come words. Out, right? like those aren't words you say, Oh, okay. I'm gonna come up there. We'll just have a sit down conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. And, uh, I looked at Steve and I, and you know, as a, I use my intuition, my spidey senses started to kick in. Like this is about to go from, 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 from good to bad and bad to worse real quick. If I'm not careful with what comes out of my mouth next. Yes. I said, all right, Steve, um, me, me and you have to talk. So I just need you to come down. And I heard the trembling in his, in his voice where I heard emotion hurt. Yeah. And uh, he's standing there and then he has, I see he has a knife in his hand. So I draw my weapon 
And I look behind me, I tell the lady not to move. Like, if you move, I'm going to, you, you could potentially get shot. Cause right now you're a threat. Usually in domestic violence situations, once you engage the, the, um, not the complainant, but the, in this case, the individual causing harm, sometimes yeah. the spouse will jump on your back. Uh, I don't know. They just do in yeah. my experience. So I pulled out my weapon and I said, you know, the whole cop thing, sir, drop your weapon. You and I need to talk. We don't, you know, we don't have, we don't have to go there. Yeah. And as I started getting louder and, and, and putting some bass in my voice and you heard the escalation in the neighborhood, yeah. um, drawing my weapon, I'm about two and a half pounds of trigger pull into a five pound trigger. Mind you, he's probably about 10 yards away from me. Mm-hmm. And just when I did that, because of the way he was positioned, I couldn't see him. He was in front of a porch light. So I saw a silhouette, but I saw this, I, I, I heard a little kid say, daddy. Oh. And in that moment, I, I see it's about a seven-year-old kid, and, and, and then behind him is you know, about a, four, a five- to four-year-old kid, and then there's a younger kid, a lot smaller, two to three years of, of, of age. And in that moment, I just thought to myself, you know what? Like, I don't care what happens. I'm not going to shoot this guy in front of his kids because if I do, one of these kids are going to grow up hating the cops, if not all of them, and one of them will kill a cop 20 years from now. Like, I, 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 I've seen it play out too many times. So. I, uh, I'm a trained, at the time I was a pretty skilled fighter just by way of previous jobs I've, I've had. Sure. And kickboxing was my go-to. Krav Maga was a secondary. And I just said to myself, all right, God, you know, I've been trying to kill myself for a long time. So this is, you know, by way of getting taken out by a suspect. So I go out like a, you know, like a hero and my parents, my death benefits. I said, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to go. So I holstered my weapon and like literally as I holstered my weapon, he took that opportunity to jump off the porch and run towards me. I ran towards him and I blacked out. Cause I don't really remember what happened after that, but I do recall seconds later, he, you know, I, I, I affected, affected the arrest. Uh, he was cuffed and I, the next morning I, I put my two weeks notice in because in that moment I heard a voice say, you know, it's, it's not meant for you to take lives. It's meant for you to save lives. Oh, come on. That's, that's, that's what started my journey. Wow. Dom, I'm a little speechless because that was a powerful story. I, I, I'm, I've forgotten the next question I was going to ask you. But I, I just, oh, my gosh. So, okay. So here you are. So, so we've got this gift of you. What does success look like for your ideal clients? So, you know, you, you, you find people through speaking to them and through different engagements and consulting and coaching. When you take them to their promised land, what does that look like for them? You know, l- lately, and I say it's simple, but it's been as simple, and it's not, but it's been as simple as them being comfortable, being vulnerable, mm. vulnerable at home with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a husband once who finally shared with his spouse and his daughters, you know, what he went through as a kid. Because mm-hmm. uh, his wife, he thought that he was just coming to me for executive coaching, but I'm a firm believer. You, you, if you can't lead from behind your doorknob, so at home, you have no business leading from in front of your doorknob. So the rest of the world. And he got to a point where he was comfortable letting his hair down, if you will. Mm. Um, but it, it, the, the last three or four clients I've, I've had actually four to be exact. It was them being comfortable owning who they, who they were. I had a client who's uh, Indian. Um, and, and he's from India, but he's been out here. I think he's 25. He's been out here for like 20 plus years. Yeah. But one of the things that he struggled with was always comparing himself 
to a culture of people that wasn't him. I'm like, bro, just be comfortable being brown. Yeah. I said, all of your stereotypes are good. You, you know, <laughs> you're an engineer stereotype. You know, you, you know, you're great with math stereotype. I'm like, those aren't bad stereotypes. Like, own it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just own If you have negative stereotypes, don't do any of them, right? And, and seeing people engage their vulnerabilities mm-hmm. um, and not throwing up their vulnerabilities on people, but just engaging them, owning it, and then from there, they're so it's like they 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 have a new lease on life. Now they're confident because they're comfortable with who they are. And yeah. just like in the movie Eight Mile, when Eminem went up there and he just put all his business out there, and, and he was like, "Now what? Like yeah. I've already told you everything you already know about me. You have yeah. nothing else to say." Yeah, yeah, no, no, that that's powerful. And in fact, your confidence is contagious. And and I, I can imagine that you know. We could argue that what we sell as coaches and, and speakers and communicators is certainty and confidence. Mm-hmm. People need to trust us that we really know how to get them to that promised land. So, yeah. you know, I can, I can sense that from you and, and I just admire what you've accomplished so far. And, you know, to wrap this up, if you were to sort of give some final advice to either people who fit your client profile or just people in general, um, what would that be? What, what would your big Here's what I believe in, you know, for, for those people, be. You know what? That's a, that's, a, that's a big question. You know, my final piece of advice is instead of me just telling you to own who you are, yeah. have a conversation with yourself with nobody around. Understand who you are. Understand who you want to be. Mm. And Maybe it's going to take you a year to find out who you are, but we all know who we want to be. Mm-hmm. As you start making those steps towards who you want to be, ask yourself one step at a time, is this going to get me closer to who I want to be? Mm. And then I ask myself questions all the time. Why am I doing this? Mm. And if you can come up with an answer that's, that's in direct correlation with where you want to go and who you want to be, mm-hmm. and you do it. And you just do it one day at a time. And if you look at yourself in the mirror and, 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 and say to yourself, like, you got to validate yourself. Yeah. I'm awesome. I, 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 you know, I am pretty. It could be as simple as that. I am the best at whatever it is. And yeah. this might sound cliche, but most of my clients can't say to themselves in the mirror, you know, they can't give themselves 10 words of, aspir- of affirmation, but own who you are. You, you, you want to know something along the lines of what you just said. I read somewhere or maybe heard somewhere that Muhammad Ali was once asked, um, how is it that you became the greatest in the world? And, and I mean, how did you do that? He said, I just told myself I was. <laughs> I talked about it every day. Everybody I saw, I said, I'm the greatest. And that's how it became. So, I mean, it starts with you. Yeah, yeah. It starts with you. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's powerful. Um, Dom, I, I, wanna, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to just be around you. I feel like, look, I've got goosebumps. I've got, I'm all inspired. (laughs) How can people reach you, Dom? What's the best way for people who want to either come be around you, see you, uh, work with you? How do people reach you and get in in contact with you? You know what? I'm not even going to give you, give you my website. It's just, you know, you can find me on, on Instagram. I love Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well, but I'm, I'm running out of space to accept friend requests, but Instagram, Dom Fawcett, D-O-M-F as in Frank, A-U-S-S-E-T-T-E. Hit me up on Instagram. If you leave me a message, I, if you DM me, I reply to everybody within 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. But I mean, that's it. 
that's a good, a good place to start. All right. Well, do you have any last words for us? Because you know, this has been a blessing for me, but any last words, I'll let you close it out. Learn to forgive. Nobody owes you an apology. Mm. Forgive those that have hurt you. Forgive yourself first and then start engaging your best life because you never will if you can't forgive yourself and those that have hurt you in the past. Thank you, Dom. It's really been a pleasure and an honor. And uh, everyone in Big Ticket Clients land, this has been the real deal. I'm so honored. Thank you so much. Likewise, brother. All right. Take care.